obvious cold snap. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, here we go. But when it's just nice and warm like it has been, it's oh. kind of hard to uh, determine, you know, when it's time. It's felt a lot like... So uh, you just keep going and going and going, and then finally yeah. you figure it out. Oh, okay, it's time now. Yeah. What's, um, without, you know, you don't have to give, like, your secrets away, but what type of call do you hear or do you, do you feel works the best? As far as... As far as... Uh, how we three how longs? We is it short long? Is it a consistent sound? Is it a, a warbled song or sound? What do you What are you looking to do? I think what works the best is just like the most responsive for us. Is... So like, pretty that's consistent. It. Pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. Just one or two. Just so, that one, and yeah. like usually, I mean, I don't know. It's all instinctual as far as like how long to wait and everything because it's. You know how it goes. You stand up, and there he goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> how long do you typically wait? Is it just feel, or is it, you know, you set a timer for 18 yeah, minutes? We ought to set a timer. Yeah. We always talk about we should do that, but we have never done that. Um, it's all feel. Just like, uh, we should keep moving, or uh, I'm getting cold. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, or it looks really good. We're standing on a fresh set of tracks, mm. and there's fresh rubs everywhere last window maybe we don't have enough daylight to move forward so yeah let's just sit here and just hunker down yeah, hunker and wait down. it out yeah, what's the longest you've waited uh an hour in one spot we waited an hour and a half yeah wow. and we literally moved like and 15 was, feet and that was the case there was no more not enough light to go to another spot so mm -hmm. let's just hang out here anything there's, come in there's snow on the ground there's fresh tracks oh, nice. fresh roads fresh shit and right at dark we were sitting there having a conversation just like you do after an hour and a half of yeah. sitting and waiting yeah. and we were having a conversation. And, and then, oh, it'd be quiet. We, <laughs> we start talking again. And yeah, here he is. He just strolls through the muskeg, stops right in front of us. We're sitting on a log and he just stands broadside looking at us. Unreal. Yeah. Prince got Perfect. an open sight. 35, 35 special, Marlin. And nice. dropped him right there. <laughs> that was pretty fun. That was a fun. Do you ever think of how many deer you've left out there because you left too early? Yeah, I, I think, think about, about that all the time. Yeah, I think, think about, about how many deer you walk past <laughs> while you're right there. Just staring at you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All they gotta do. How is many deer you drive move. past every morning? Oh. Yeah. I can't imagine doing the white whitetail program where you're on that private land. You have to sit there all day. You're out there for eight, ten hours. Yeah. In the stand. And you only got this one spot. option. Yeah. yeah and this hope. is the exact option. You got your three weekends or whatever it is. And that's. Yeah. I can do that. I find myself. It's hard to get 20 minutes. Yeah. Like what? You get to go about, I'm like, it's been a little bit. Check the watch. It's been seven minutes. Uh-huh. That's exactly how it is, too. Yeah. yeah. Time and, just uh, doesn't fly when you're sitting there in dead silence just hoping that the nice one walks out. Yeah. Patience is not one of our strong points, I don't think. So what happens when you call something in that you're not necessarily looking to shoot? Wait. Don't move. Yeah, we just wait. Sometimes we'll just... See how he responds to the call or what we're doing, you know, and maybe we'll uh, pull out some rattles and or a grunt yeah. and do a little that field way. research, so yeah. to speak. Yeah, yeah. 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 Do it with um, does too. Yeah. So how did you develop the sound for this one? Was there? And this is all a, a side job too. You have your regular job. For, <laughs> so why did you start to make calls? And then how did you? perfect the sound, how'd you get that right, how long did that take? You can feel that one, bro. Uh, we have wanted to get our hands on a good deer call forever, and... Those plastic ones from, uh, from, from the cold one? <laughs> yeah, we used to buy one or two a year, and, you know, and that's what it takes. You've got to buy one or two a year for, you know, to keep one in your pocket. But, uh, just started making our own. It's just like... Piece of cake. Yeah. We knew we've got friends that we grew up with. Their dads used to make deer calls all the time. Um, so we learned a lot from other people. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, you talk to anybody and they'll just tell you, well, just make one. It's pretty easy. Rubber band or friction tape or whatever and mm -hmm. a couple pieces of wood. Uh, started making them. Friends were like, hey, how much you want for this one? I'll buy these. <laughs> 
and um, started expecting a child on the way and thought, you know, could really use some extra cash flow. <laughs> and then it went from there. That's how it basically okay. We should sell these things. Hmm. That's how drop shot started blossoming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, we've well, we've been hunting for our whole lives. You know, since basically since we could walk. And <clears throat> hunting is just a passion in general. So having a having a call is kind of just kind of follow suit, really. Mm-hmm. So you used friction tape. Yep. And how do you decide on the design? There's a lot of different. If you look at deer calls. It just kind of has a unique look to it. Was that all purposeful? Like, does it serve a... You guys work with wood and music wood, and so is there, a, like, an acoustic value to to how it's put together, or...? Well, I just... guess I, we could start with the simple fact that when we began making calls, it was just calls to make a deer call, so we could call deer in. You know, we weren't, we weren't worried about how it looked mm-hmm. or anything. We weren't worried about finishing them or anybody buying them. It was just enough for us. That's, that's it. No problem. And so we were just using just pieces of wood, just something like this. Yeah, you know? I've seen a just, lot of those. Just... Yeah, and you just carve out a little bit in the middle and sand it as much as you need to, put a little piece of tape in there, and if it works, it works, great. But then when somebody wants to start buying them, I mean, you can't just sell sticks. <laughs> you know? yeah, so, yeah. so then we had to kind of refine our process. And in the meantime, we started refining everything from not only how it looks, you know, in the shape, but also in the finish, and then examining the inside and how the reed sits, which is the most important part, and figuring out what do we have to do to achieve the sound that we want to hear, mm-hmm. not just to achieve any sound that works. Yeah. You know, what do, how do we achieve what we want to hear? And that is by um, changing the depth and changing the length or changing the size of the friction tape, or changing the thickness of the friction tape. You know, I mean, there's so many different variables that go into this, and mm-hmm. it's all it's all learning. And if we're not making our calls better, then what are we doing? Except we're just working backwards. Yeah. So we try to just keep it up, keep it yeah. going up. It seems like it'd be almost impossible for each to be exactly the same. Yeah, there but are. Would you all say that too. all of them are? very very close mm-hmm. or as close as, as possible yeah. yeah and then what happens if you you say that if you like sand it down a little bit or you carve out a little bit too much yeah take it back to it, sandpaper is it, and is, just... is it over like is it ruined like no, is there anything yeah. you do about it or? no you just do the opposite of what you just did i guess <laughs> yeah. so just take it back out so these um the gap was the reed slot was too wide right it was too gap gappy, too airy. So what we do is we lay down a flat piece of sandpaper like this, and we just take off this material on the outside, right? Okay. Yeah. And then that'll just close that up, and then you know, a couple swipes, check it, look through, look through it through the light, you know. None of it's rocket science. It's all you know. It's all pretty straightforward. Yeah, it stuff. is really it's just experience that tells you what, yeah. what you're looking for exactly. And like you say, we're we're wood guys, so. The coolest part about all this is seeing how different things turn out. Yeah. Like that one right there That's is beautiful. the same piece of wood as this. That's art. And you see that color pop out of that one. Mm-hmm. And you see a little bit more of it in here when it's um, before it actually gets finished because it darkens up and kind of homogenizes, I guess, if you will. But let's see what else we got here. So then this one is that, that similar piece of wood. But being able to see, I guess kind of what you're aiming for before you even start. That's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine that everybody who does this is this has this level of meticulous approach. Is there some some people are selling them, you know, for a couple bucks, but you guys really take take pride in that. So. Well, yeah, and you know, sometimes I can I you can you can read people and they're like, oh, I don't know, it's you know, it's kind of a lot. But at the same time, sometimes we'll, you know, sometimes we're, we feel like we're sacrificing too. Like, oh, I don't know, we put a lot of time into that. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I think there's a little give and take. So um, we, we sort of have compromised, and I know other people have compromised by, by just by buying our calls, you know, when they can go get a $40 call from somewhere else or a $12 call from, you know, from down south or whatever. 
but I, I, I gotta say that we put a lot of time into this, and that's kind of, I think that's what sells them. Yeah, it's just absolutely. the fact that we have so much pride in what we do here. Yeah, well, I think people recognize anything that you buy, you're buying whoever is selling it or making it too. So I think they're most of it has to do with not only that it's a quality product, but also that you guys and the, the passion that you guys have and what you're doing, you guys are knowledgeable. I think that goes along with that too. What's the, the daily routine? You guys were out hunting today and now you're working on this. Your daily work routine, working downstairs and you come up here to the table to do the calls. What's so? Oh, daily routine. There's really no daily routine around here. The last specialty was we're always doing something different. But, you know, day to day, we do have an eight to five job. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's our business, but if we don't take our own business seriously, who's gonna? Yeah. And this is kind of a side gig. We have a lot of pride in it. This is our passion, drop shot calls. But Alaska Specialty Woods is the family business. And it, it pays the bills, you know, it's our bread and butter. Um, and a lot of this around here, we couldn't do without without having Alaska Specialty Woods. Yeah. We have a dad to thank for that. But it's a, it's a team effort. So yeah, we'll, you know, eight to five, we'll, we'll do whatever we gotta do. And sometimes it's eight to seven, sometimes it's eight to 6.30, you know, yeah. if we're unlucky, I guess. Um, but then it's just, we come up here and crack a beer and sit down and get to work. And sometimes we put in an hour, you know, if we're not feeling it. Sometimes we put in two hours, three hours, or whatever we can, really. And sometimes I'll show up a little bit early before work and put in an hour. Mm -hmm. We just get in where we can fit in out here and try to make it all work out because we know people are waiting for their calls. There's a pretty solid demand for them, which we're pleased with, but we just wish we could do more. Mm -hmm. How long does one take? Um, you know, it, it all really depends on the wood, the design, this diamond designs. I don't think we have one here. The diamond designs are definitely a little more tedious because they have more corners and edges mm. and stuff like that that we got to finish out. But um, and what, why generally the, about why the three to four hours. Well, when we started selling to um, a guy over in Ketchikan. Bodale. Bodale. Yeah. Um, he recommended that we come up with something that had four corners attached. So this is what we came up with. Yeah, he just he basically just asked us to to attach it on mm. four corners, and we kind of racked our brains on how we're going to do that, and we had a couple make other it efficient, you know, efficient models. to build. So you know, you ain't spending too much time on a call that you're only getting this much money for. It's got to add up. Yeah, but then we we figured that out, and the design really worked, and I really I really like it. The only the only difference is I guess is when you have to go to tune them in. And we make these, hopefully, so that nobody has to tune them in. But if you do, we make them so you can. And I, I should probably go get mine so I don't take one of these back apart. You can take one of these apart. So I'll take that one apart. So we get out in the woods and we're not, we're not confident in how our call sounds. Well, it sounds okay, but it's, it might have a little bit too much space in the reed there. Um, I'll just take it back apart and just start messing with it. And you got to undo the lanyard, which, you know, that's probably about the hardest part of the yeah. whole, whole situation. But once you get that lanyard off, you just pop these little um, friction tape pieces off of here. Trink tubing. How often I mean, do, you, tubing. do you do that in the field? Like, how often do you? Oh, I haven't done that for you. Ever. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done it for a while. I have two or three, so it's just like what two sound oh, the best. Those okay. two are yeah. coming with me. Yeah, that's yeah. usually how it works out, and mine have been pretty much on point, but I had to mess with them at first. So then I'll just take it, I'll take it right apart, and I'll peel this friction tape up. Usually it's just one side. I'll just peel up one side, loosen it up in there a little bit, and then lay this on there. Just lay the other piece right on top of it, and then if you look through there, you can see. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. So it's real loose. And then I'll just lightly, lightly pull that as I tune it in. And that's really all it takes. Just one little, like that. Just snug. Not too tight. Just snug, not tight. Because once I, once I tighten it up,
just gets you know higher pitch. And then when you go take it out in the field, if the climate's a little bit different, then it'll get even tighter and it'll have that pop zing before it goes. And I don't really, that's, that can be trouble. <laughs> that can scare the deer away. But we're just looking for a consistency. And so we'll take and put these all together and they'll sit here for a week before we even tell anybody that we have a call because if they're not sounding good to us, then we don't send them out. Hmm. From billion-dollar ad budgets and arena naming rights to tens of thousands of retail locations, big wireless providers spend big to appear like they're your only option. How do they afford it all? <laughs> that big bill you get at the end of every month. Mint Mobile had a different idea. Instead of brick-and-mortar overhead, Mint Mobile is online only. What does that mean for you? A whole lot of savings because wireless plans from Mint Mobile start at just $15 a month. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for just $15 a month. You'll save enough that you can get a brand new rod and reel for the upcoming season. For anyone who just hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just $15 a month. All plans come with unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan, and you can even keep your same phone number along with all of your existing contacts. By going online only and eliminating traditional costs of retail, Mint Mobile passes significant savings on to you. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com slash waypoint. That's mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to $15 a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Well, I hadn't even thought, well, it makes sense, but... Uh... Is it an indication of just how it sounds, or have you gone a couple hours and you haven't called anything in yet? What's kind of... Well, we've definitely gone 20 hours and not called anything in. So you can feel um, really good about how it's sounding and not calling anything in and feel good about it? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, you know, sometimes they're just not, not a deer there, or sometimes they're just not interested. I mean, I've heard quite a variety of different sounds call in deer. Anything from chainsaws to, <laughs> to crunchy snow. Yeah, um, to um, yeah circumstances definitely, you know, under the right circumstances. So that's but, just uh, years and years of experience. I would think so, that's yeah, perfect. yeah. Just our own experiences, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, well, I wouldn't, neither of us would sit here and claim that we know at all really anything about it. We just know, we just know what works for us mm -hmm. and, you know, what we've experienced. One um, thing that we've experienced is deer and rout will come to pretty much anything. <laughs> How important do you think that is that people just feel good about their program rather than just try to buy stuff to make up for a lack of experience? I've only been hunting for about six years. And this year more than any. Last year, got four deer. It was awesome. Just felt like I was starting to figure stuff out. And then today, this year, just one in the alpine. Right. And that's it. Just been out every weekend except for two the entire time, which is just a reminder that, dude, you've only been doing this for about six years, and there are no shortcuts. What would you recommend to people who are just kind of getting started? Keep trying. Perseverance. <laughs> Keep trying. Because one thing that we laugh about is how nonchalant we used to be just about going out, you know, going on car hearts and our Heli Hansen gear and just kind of like tromp around in the woods, wouldn't pay any attention to wind direction, you know. I Nothing. Mean, you name it. Really, we were just, <laughs> just went. we were just hoping for the best, and things paid off. It just paid off. I mean, yeah, you have a little experience about maybe to go look around that corner, or to go check this little area out, out, area out, or something. But I mean, really, it's, it was just all trial and error this whole time. And I think even if you do have a lack of experience and you want to go buy some nice equipment to try and uh, compensate for maybe some of that the right tools for the right job like i don't i don't care who you are like if you have the right tools for the right job you're already doing a little better than somebody that doesn't have mm -hmm. the right tools right. for that job and so yeah maybe you go buy the top of the line of gear but you don't know anything about it well there's still room to learn i think it's a good start
we're we're always pretty excited when people are dedicated. Mm -hmm. We like that. Well, uh, yeah, especially um, with the right mindset. As far as you know, clothing, apparel, uh, being comfortable in the woods is certainly important. That's um, huge. Yeah, keeps you from wanting to give up. The motivation yeah. to go a little farther, yeah. like today. Today, man, it got, it got pretty wet out there, and if I didn't have the proper gear, I might have wanted to go back to the truck a little sooner. You guys go on a long drive or a short drive? Uh, today we went on a pretty long drive, yeah. and then a pretty long walk. Yeah, we're usually hiking. We're not usually driving around this time. Yeah. What about elevation? Like, is there a, kind of a cutoff to where you're not really going up? I ain't gonna go up to the snow. Snow line is about as high as we're going to go up, but this year was kind of weird. There was no snow. Yeah. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah no, it's it been just so a warm. A little so. bit of a dusting up on the tallest ones. It so was that, literally just right below Alpine is is the cutoff. We've been hunting hunting high. About 1,500 yeah. feet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we've been hunting. 15, yeah, 18? Between, uh, well, I'd say 1,000 and 15 would be more average, but we've definitely been upward up to 2,000. Yeah. Yeah. And we've been seeing bucks up there. Ago, yeah. Yeah. At least sign, fresh sign, yeah. good rubs and stuff like that. We got a couple, uh, what was that, last weekend? Two weekends ago. Two weekends ago. We got a couple at about fifteen to 1,600 feet. Mm -hmm. Seen four bucks up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's where they were hanging. Yeah, they, they were all long. together. We didn't see a single doe. Hmm. They were all responding to the call. Yeah. They, all, they all came to the call. Hmm. Yeah, the... People get excited about when the snow does push them all the way down to the beach and right. just, you know, beach hunting. But man, I, I can't stand. I, it's trolling is, trolling, you know. It's it's kind of boring at times, you know. Um, beach hunting is fine, but can be boring at times. It can be boring. cold. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I like the activeness. I want to feel like there's something that I can be doing in order to increase the odds or success. And so if you're just locked into a that's kind of where we're at with it, too. You know, I mean, if you, yeah, you drive roads, but most of these deer are just going to be standing in the woods right off the side of the road anyway. Yeah. You're not going to see them regardless. Yeah. But we we like to hike. We like to go. If somebody else, if we think that somebody else thinks it's going to be hard, we'll go there. Mm -hmm. Just because it's going to discourage somebody exactly. else from being there. What about muskegs versus hunting in the timber? Some of those areas, it's, it's too loud to go through the timber. But some of that deep timber where it's just all moss, not a lot of food in there, but do you, uh, do you mess around with, uh, with getting in or do you just stay on the edge of the, of the muskegs and just try to call them out? Um, we'll go through the strips of timber and if it looks good, we'll stop and call in there. We'll hang out in there, but um, just passing through, I don't think we actually target those areas, mm -hmm. usually the fringes. Where the openings are, the muskegs, the little clear cuts, um, yeah, slides. Mm. Any, slides. Any any little opening where the vegetation can grow. Yeah, three three priorities. You need shelter, right? You need food, mm -hmm. and you need water. Yep. And if you got all those things, deer are probably going to be pretty happy. Old growth forests will definitely hold. You know plenty of plenty of food but a second growth forest might not have the same amount of nutrients as an old growth forest just because the biodiversity hasn't developed in there yet clear cuts hold a bunch of food yeah. but they don't hold much shelter so if you find a nice clear cut next to a nice strip of timber next to a nice muskeg you might be onto something mm -hmm. right because yep. then they got all three things there um, that's one that's one thing that we found is that above all else deer need food gotta have the food and I mean you get some of that like 50 year old reprod or 30 year old reprod you know it's 70 feet tall there's nothing underneath of it it's just all dead trees underneath yeah. of it like that's deer will be in there you'll find them in there but I don't think it's I don't think it's really necessarily where they want to be moving through I think they just yeah, yeah end up end up yeah, yeah I've seen a couple of people post photos of Stuff that looked like it was in the timber. You, know, you just catch it just as lucky as 
catching something in the mustache that you didn't even call to, just after he was walking through. Yeah, yeah, and we ran into him in, in the timber as well. It's in in our experience, it's not necessarily what we're going for though. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's harder hunting. You can't see as far. But it's beautiful. I love the timber. It's warmer usually. Nice and oh, you're so nice. quiet too, yeah, like a ninja. So there's quiet. no <laughs> sloshing. There's no boots sucking muskeg. It's yeah. it's pretty cool in there. Yeah, I love seeing deer in the timber. But I mean, even in the muskegs, you know, we don't we don't dive out for the muskegs. We like those those cedar fringes that are right on the yeah, yeah. right on the edges. I mean, yeah. Well, Thanksgiving morning we went out. I probably shouldn't share the story. <laughs> well, if anybody who claims to have never missed or never screwed anything up, like I mean, they're hard to trust. Right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a that's yeah. a fact. <laughs> if you're that good, yeah. No, that was. It's always kind of brutal on the ego, but yeah. I guess that's what it's all about. You know, you win some, you lose some. We I, we learn some. But yeah, go ahead, tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> oh man so we just show up and 15 minutes from the truck right I get up on this nice ridge and I'm, I'm not exactly sure where to go specifically how do I want to approach this right and so I kind of go a little bit wrong and I get into some brush and so then I got to flounder through some brush and I try to be as quiet as I can and finally I break up into some muskeg and I'm expecting virtually nothing you know, I'm just standing there and find find a nice little hill to, to glass out of, you know, get a get a good visual anyway. And so I'm looking way out over this muskeg with my binos and I just get the call real, real soft, two times, just real soft. Like if, if there's something there, they're coming out. And if there's nothing there, then at least I ain't scaring them away, mm -hmm. right? Um, for the rest of the hunt, that is. So I'm glassing way out over this muskeg and just kind of have a hunch and I put my binos down and I look to the left and just a great, big, beautiful four point is standing <laughs> about 20 yards away, looking right at me. And so I, as slowly and you know calmly as I can, I put my binos back in my holster and start popping scope covers off. And when I pull up, he starts walking away. But I had a beautiful neck shot and I took it and I missed. And then shit just started hitting the fan <laughs> and my casing got stuck inside of my gun. And so I'm sitting here trying to keep this deer right in front of me, trying to get my casing out of my, out of my um, chamber. And it's just not working. So I call and I, just, I turn this deer around three or four times as he's walking away. And he's just, what do you, what do you, what do you want? You know, what do you want? Oh, you're not going to shoot again? Okay, well, <laughs> keep going. And, it's just so painful watching that guy walk away. And so I didn't really have anything else to do. I just sat there and I tried to, I tried to find some sticks to pop that case now. Mm. And I didn't want to blow my call because I didn't want to call in any wolves. I didn't have any protection, you know, or nothing like that. So finally, I just hightail it back to the truck and kind of mope around for a little while. It's not a real <laughs> great story, but you know, you just sometimes you just can't win. Everyone's been there. Yeah, everybody's been there. How worried are you about calling in wolves? How, how what? Have you called in wolves often? We've called in some wolves. Um, I don't want to say we're really worried about it. No, it's, it's, it's not worried until I run out of bullets. It's like, yeah, yeah, until you don't have that <laughs> you know, peace yeah. of mind, I guess. But Actually, we've been looking for wolves all year. Yeah. But and hearing them and seeing tracks, we did see what see we, we saw. We yeah. saw one pack. Yeah, that was that was early, but they're they're quick. Yeah, saw a wolf kill yesterday, and then uh, saw one run across the road <coughs> in a different spot. Uh, <coughs> totally different spot. Yeah, totally yeah. different spot. Like thirty miles away. Oh yeah. yeah the wolf estimates are interesting. Some people are three, four hundred. Some people say five, six hundred. It's impossible to really tell. Yeah, it is. I mean, I could tell you we have been in. I mean, all over, and it just seems like they're everywhere from... They're all over the all south, and that's for, that's yeah, for damn from the sure. south yeah. to the north and everywhere in between, even yeah. on the surrounding islands, so I don't know. I, anybody's guess, I don't think you can get an actual number on them. We saw wolf sign from 
from the beach all the way up to the top of the mountain. Hmm. In one area. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you if you think about like just the logistics of it, and you have you have a pack of wolves, and you have how many females, and how many females can have how many pups, and yeah. how many times a year can they do it? Yeah. You know, over and over and over and over again, and if there's nothing checking them, then it's it's bound to get a little bit out of control. So yeah. we found four or five spots that we didn't see an abundant abundance of wolf signs. So those have been the places that we've been going back to this season. Yeah, and it's been paying off. Yeah, it was, a, it was a great year. We had a great year. Yeah. I can't, I can't. Well, you still got more time left, right? I mean, yeah, we do, but it's kind of winding down. We're not, yeah. we're not hurting for the meat at at the moment. If we get if we get another one, we'll be making some more of those pepperoni yeah. sticks there. <laughs> That's <laughs> for sure. Good. Some jerky, you know, yeah. stuff you can season up for these. We get our um, early season deer, and those will go into burger and stuff like that. And then everything else later season will get pepperoni and mm-hmm. flavored. Get snack stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like nobody's business. What's your uh, favorite way to cook it? Like a backstrap, Alpine. It's you, know, you got one on August first. Like, what's backstrap. your favorite way to, to do backstrap? I think chunked, big big chunks, grilled. Seared hot on the grill. That's what I do. What do you season it with? Oh, salt and pepper. <laughs> Some garlic. Really easy. Yeah, I'll do yeah. A, olive I'll do oil, pepper, and soy sauce. And then I'll throw a little piece of alder in my grill. Okay. Yeah. Get a little smoke. Yeah. Plus, if you if you take a little chunk of alder and you put it right under a piece under your piece of meat, it'll like it'll bro it'll actually broil it. And then after it's done, you just move that piece of meat over, and then you got the smoke inside the grill still. But the cool thing about the chunk is that you can actually control it. You know, venison is so lean that I mean, it it overcooks like that. So that's why I like the big the big slab, and then I can check the temperature and stuff like that. And I got some you know some well done on the outside, and then that middle chunk I can have for myself. Ken likes the well done. I like the the rare. Nice. What about uh, heart, liver, anything else? Um, make Braunschweiger out of the liver. Yeah, heart's great. Um, liver, we don't, I don't, you know, we're not like liver and onion fans. No, but, I, don't, um, I don't eat regular liver. But liverwurst, Braunschweiger, smoked liverwurst. Mm-hmm. Yeah, are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we make some of that. It's yeah. pretty good. It's only like 10% liver, so you don't need, you don't need. No. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just, I never could do the liver, man. What about with the heart? What do you do with the heart? Oh, just yeah. grill. Just grill? Yeah. yeah. Everything. Whatever. Whatever. Sometimes they end up in the burger. Sometimes, yeah. yeah. But sometimes so, they end up right on the grill yeah. on some skewers. Yeah. Sometimes it's just a gift for somebody because people really like heart. Yeah. <laughs> you cook it out in the field at all? We haven't. We never, we never really do. Not like fresh. That. We've brought, you know, seasoned stuff out of the freezer out and cooked it up at camp or something yeah. like that. But no, we've never actually sliced a... Never eaten the camp the camp buck. Mm-mm. If I if I were, it would be the loins probably that it would be eaten. Things are still. I mean, even though it doesn't taste bad, it's still a little tough when it's fresh like that. Yeah, yeah. Be a little tougher. I've How about you? Only done heart. It was this last August, and so by the time we we got up top, we were gonna camp. We dropped off our packs. It was rained. It was so hot for the last part of July and the first week of, of August. We were up there for an opener, and it was just way too hot. Mm-hmm. I agree. We are in the tents, but if you're in the tent trying to stay out of the sun, like, it just roasted you in there. And so you just try to something to get you some shade and just cooked in there and then waited for the evening. But um, after it rained, uh, we, we got off the mountain and then uh, hiked up in the rain. It was just miserable, but we got one, and then the weather broke. And so we didn't camp that night. We went back to, uh, to the truck and had all my campers up, my jet boil and all that. And so we're like, you know, might as well just stay out, you know. And so we uh, um, cooked up the heart and the jet boil with some oil and had some onions. So Not bad. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. And you don't know if it's not bad or not bad because you're cooking it on the table <laughs> in the truck. Right, or like, right. You just got it that yeah. day. Like, yeah. how can anything taste bad at that point? Indeed. But That's usually how we are. There's something about yeah. that. And once you get once you get back to camp, you're just ready to eat anything. Yeah. <laughs> so um, have you tried a hammock? I have a hammock. And <laughs> I did it for, for one uh, hunt. It was back in September. 
liked it. It got a little bit chilly because you lose so much heat out of the bottom. Um, but you mattress. can air mattress, right? Yeah, even with the air mattress, oh, okay. it's still All a little right. bit, a little bit chilly. So um, you can get like sleeping bag quilt or like some quilt to go in the in the hammock underneath your sleeping bag, hmm. and you can do a whole bunch of different stuff. So that I like that a lot, and they're a lot more. You can move a lot more than you think. I thought any sort of movement would roll me out, but like you can go fetal position, you can roll around a little bit, which is pretty nice. So I like that. I'm not sure. Some of that buck brush up top might be enough to sustain it, but sometimes you need a little bit of elevation. You can't, right. otherwise you're just gonna be right on the, on the ground. But I think it'd be a cool way to just go a lot lighter. Yeah. But if you include, I was weighing it out, and after I got the ha uh, the uh, hammock, and then a little, the rain, rain fly to go over the top, plus the straps, and a pad, probably. Yeah, that ended up well, like with the sleeping bag. It ended up like with the straps and everything else. It ended up being about the same amount as my tent. Mm -hmm. So I thought, well, I'm saving a lot of space, but not really saving much weight. Right. Right. But you know, it's not like a a decent tent's not gonna. They got so some heavy. pretty good tents now. I mean, when we first when we first started gearing up, the tents, the even the one man tents weren't they weren't really that great. They were still heavy, you know, and they didn't mm -hmm. really like they had the carbon fiber um, poles, but it was still a little new and they were pretty expensive that way. But we started we started with our hammocks, and once we once we figured that out, we haven't gone back. Really, I just the comfort of it. sleep. Uh, I mean, I haven't slept in a tent for like six years. Yeah, I'll come home and sleep in my own bed, and my back will start hurting. And then I'll go sleep in the hammock, and it's, it's good again. <laughs> what kind of hammock <laughs> you got? Uh, the Grand Trunk, just the cheapo. I don't know. Okay. I don't know that they're necessarily cheapo, but it's they just, certainly aren't like the Eagle Nest Outfitters. You know, seventy, eighty dollar hammocks. Yeah, that's what I it's got. Like it was on sale. It's a camel. I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Friend of mine had one. This is awesome. Uh -huh. yeah, so I got one of those. Yeah, yeah. I think hers yeah. is a little cheaper version. Yeah, I mean, it's a grand trunk, but we use um, tarp hammocks. So it doubles as a tarp, kind of a windbreaker. So okay. you, you know, you, in your hammock, you probably notice the wind just blasts right through that sucker. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the tarp hammocks, uh, you, know, you can just throw that over you. It's just a nice shield, the mm -hmm. windbreaker. So for the Alpine too, when you guys are up there, yeah. do you have to go down in the timber a little bit, or no. all the way up top? Uh, we yeah, pretty much always find a little patch of buck, buck brush. Just I like mean, you were talking. Just like you're talking. I mean, you're like, oh, well, that's only four feet tall. There's no way I can find a spot in there. But you yeah. duck down in there. Sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes not. But yeah. more often than not, we'll find a spot that's you know, yeah, you gotta climb down in there a little bit. But once you get in there, you got a wind shape, a windshield. Hmm. You know, you the just, thing is, too, we only have to find the spot once we go back to the yeah, same yeah, mountains over sense. and over. Yeah. So it's just like that's where we go now. <laughs> it's yeah. all yeah. set up. Yeah, that makes sense. But that's one thing that's cool about the hammocks is not only do you get out of visual sight of any deer that you know might be coming by, like you got your own, you got your own little spot here. You're set apart from everything else. You got a windshield. Um, you can just put it anywhere. You don't have to find a footprint. Yeah, you know, you just. Yeah. Hanging up anywhere. I figured, especially with this time of year, it's just so wet. And if it's if it's really wet August, you're worried about you know you can get a footprint or whatever. You're just, it's just gonna be soaking wet. Totally. Yeah, and you're gonna sure. be carrying all that wet weight down yeah. with you when you're packing off. Not that a couple of pounds of water is gonna make a huge not difference. When you home. Deer, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not when you're going but, home. Yeah, not when you're going home. Yeah, I'm really excited about the the prospects of that and just the how it can really kind of change the game a little bit. Yeah, it really can. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I guess I did. we never really did put it on the scale to see how it compares with a one-man tent or two-man yeah. tent. No, but this year you were if you're packing your tent, you're packing your rain fly too, right? So yeah, this year we didn't pack a rain fly. It was at just all. a hammock. Yeah. Just a hammock all year yeah. long. It's crazy. We couldn't believe it. We packed a rain fly one time. It didn't even rain. It didn't pay off. Yeah. Pretty pretty amazing year for that. I mean, it was yeah. kind of rough, you know, as far as finding. There wasn't many deer on the mountain, but. Right place, right time. Yeah. We got lucky this year, though. We had that huge drop, hot streak of weather, and then we had a like one day of solid rain, and we went out the next day, and it was foggy till like eight thirty or nine. Was it like the fourth or something like that of August? Uh, I don't know. I think it was more like second eight, week, maybe. Yeah, 
uh, oh, okay, 12th or 14th okay. or something like that. I can't really that, say. But, yeah. I can go back and look. But. Uh, it was cool. It, well, then it perked up and it was nice that day, but it was cool out till about one o'clock in the afternoon. So we were hunting all day yeah. long. It was great. Yeah. yeah big and we seen, a, yeah, we seen a lot of nice bucks that day. A big one down there, Ryan. You got it like four in the afternoon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we can just go look and okay. see. You never know. And I mean, shoot, he was 300 yards from camp. Yeah. Was right there. Yeah. I mean, we got he got him at twenty yards, but we didn't hike but thirty three hundred yards from camp, and it's like, oh, okay. It makes it nice because you don't have to worry about being cold, and it's you know pretty, and you got all that. But man, it was it's pretty tough to you have that first. You know, it seems like they're they're going back down or going into the woods, like even before. For sun. first light, yeah, before sunrise, yeah, like, yeah, we saw that. We would wake up and be looking across the ridge where we want to go and we were already i mean first light you can already see bucks running running <laughs> down the hill yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. it's already getting hot yeah, yeah. the that. bugs are already coming out yeah yeah those days where it's it's cool or overcast got that high ceiling it's nice that you can hunt for you at least have yourself a chance those are the lucky days yeah yeah just got to keep at it Keep at it every time, even if even on those rough days, you just take advantage and learn something new. Yeah. Figure out what that bull looks like. Figure out what this bull looks like. Try and find a different way up or a different way down. Mm -hmm. you know? How often do you go to the new spots? Like once you have a spot kind of dialed in and you know it kind of produces, what would be your motivation to then leave that and risk find another spot? Yeah, just like man, it. I know where I can go and I can get these. Do that a lot in fishing too. You know, go to a river. Yeah. I know I can just crush it here. Mm -hmm. Why would I not do that again? So how it's, often do you find new stuff? It's it's fun to go back to the places that you know hold big deer because you can have that expectation that you can find something. But it's also fun to see what else is out there. Not only stuff that, stuff your pockets full of all these options. You know, yeah, <laughs> you never yeah, know yeah, when you yeah. show up at your yeah. favorite spot and somebody's already parked there. You know, so, I know I mean, another spot stuff. right down the road now. Yeah. But Ryan and I, we we have a hard time sometimes taking more than one deer off of a mountain, if, especially if it's a nice nice buck, um, particularly early season, because you know it's not gonna reproduce anymore if you mm -hmm. take it, right? And if you take two or three, then how many nice, big, yeah. beautiful yeah, bucks are left to reproduce? So we've been, over the last few years, definitely getting a little bit more into uh, management hunting. You know, I mean, we understand that these areas aren't, aren't our own, but we, we try really hard to get to places that people aren't. And if we can just at least manage our own, you know, yeah. our, I guess ourselves, if we can manage ourselves, like that, that I think puts us a step ahead mm -hmm. in the long run. My problem this rut was I went to the spot I went last year and got a nice buck. And then this year, Went back and just saw rubs and rubs and rubs. My buddy called it the rub gallery. It was yeah. just everywhere. And yeah. so, and that was you know, last week of October. And so I, I went there and I'd, I'd, I'd camped there a couple other times. And that was, was an access point to the Alpine. So I'd, I'd familiar with the area, spent all the time learning it. And I'd walked around. You can cross the creek better here than you can there. The backside of this muskeg is this. You know, I just felt like I learned it. Totally. And so be, I saw those rubs. And I just kept going back there every weekend every weekend and I had scouted some other spots but I, I didn't even go because I knew that if I there's a huge buck I know why would I leave this spot there's obviously bucks I, I, <laughs> I mean that's, I, that's oh, the right man. thing to do like that's I just yeah that's I would be doing the exact same thing and never even saw it so I just look back and I think you no know, maybe I spent too much time in the timber maybe I you know what what about the program that was different but man I I even hiked up part of the mountain and was looking down at the musk eggs you know, just to be able to see, okay, when are they moving through? When is anything moving through? And I didn't see anything. Like, this is this is crazy. I'm running out of rep time now. Right? I'm running out of, out of opportunities, and I just keep going to the same spot. I'm doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down in the spot, and never never saw one, never got one. Yeah, I mean, I guess but, that, that right there alone is why we are constantly trying to get into new areas. Yeah. I mean, every single year we at least try to hit one brand new area entirely yeah. um, unknown to us. Yeah. 
The last weekend I camped and then went to a new spot just because just kind of clear the air. Like this is this is my last day hunting this area yeah. because the season over there ends sooner. Yeah. So like I'm gonna go somewhere else just because it's driving me crazy. And it felt good to just leave myself at that spot. And say, hey man, you win. It's good. Yeah. You win. You know, yeah. greed. You 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 had fun. Yeah. Sometimes there are no trees. there are no answers to that. It just is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. We like to blame the weather or blame the moon or <laughs> you know. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. full moon like last night. Um, in our experience, the bucks are going to be moving a lot at night, and then they're or the deer in general are going to be moving a lot at night, and then then not during the day. Well, uh, I think, you know, like, especially when it's a, a beautiful day like yesterday, a nice bright night with a big full moon, and then a shitty day today, you know, you just got garbage for weather. Mm -hmm. And why would the deer, if they just had a beautiful day and a beautiful night, why would they go run around in this, you know, rain and wind yeah. and sleet and snow? Don't have to tolerate it. Why do it? Yeah. yeah. So I think that was kind of working against us today for sure. But yeah. We went back to the same spot that we saw uh, three bucks the other day, just hoping. And didn't see a single deer, did Didn't see a single deer, not even a doe. <laughs> Lots of good sign! Yeah. Lots of good sign! How many days a uh, season do you guys think you hunt? That's a really good question. We were just uh, thinking about that today. I was just trying to add up how many, how many weekends I missed this year. And I think it's three. So... I guess I'd have to figure out how many weekends are in a season. And uh -huh. so far, I've missed three weekends. Two of which because I was out of town. And one we just, it was October. And we were like, yeah, okay, not this week. <laughs> but otherwise, I think we were we were hiking Alpine into... Uh, October? October. Yeah. This year. Mm -hmm. What constitutes a hunt? Some people will consider driving around in their vehicle if they're like driving to Thorn Bay and they have a rifle. Well, I technically road hunted. They'd count that. Sure. Would you count days like that? It's a Saturday. You're going up to Kaufman to get a burger. I mean, <laughs> when I when I say that I've hunted every weekend, I wouldn't count that. For, for me personally, <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say that that was a hunt for me. You yeah. know, Ryan, it, I've got to at least get out of the truck and, and check something out. Yeah. You know? And that's not just driving to a road and, oh, I might have seen a deer down here. I'll go check that out. No. We put in, we put in our time. Yeah. We put in our time. You got to. I mean, if you got the time, <laughs> if you got the time. What about miles on a typical rut hunt? Yeah, I'll just look at my mileage here. Look at the old, just like the old days, right? People checking their. Uh, I don't know how accurate that. I don't know how accurate it is. I think it's, it gives you at least either. a ballpark. Yeah. Okay. You know, so like you're today, within... three miles. Okay. Three miles was the day. Last Sunday, no. Let's see. Last Saturday was six and a half miles. Friday was eight miles. Week before that was five miles. Seven miles. So our longest one this year was eight. Uh, no, I think our longest one this year was oh well for rut, yeah. Yeah. And then rut. your Alpine program is it similar mileage, just tons oh, of elevation? No, I think we're putting in more like, like 12, twelve miles. Yeah. yeah. And that's just that's just a one way to get there. No, no, no. A bolt, yeah, both that's, ways. That's okay, a, yeah, it's a full, hunt. yeah, okay. the full hunt, yeah, back to the truck. Okay, so you're day tripping Alpine, twelve miles a day. Um, that's an overnight. Okay, that, that'd usually be an overnight. Yeah, yeah. So a two day trip. Yeah, we'll put some miles under our cell. I, I think Typically, this year, our, you know, we aren't usually hunting in the evening. We'll hang out and glass, but not yeah. usually walk around too much. Mm -hmm. And you know, the mountains around here obviously aren't six miles long so yeah you're not putting yeah in, putting in that much uh ground but those those mountain miles they add up yeah well, when especially you when you're carrying your way gear down to just look yeah. around the corner yeah. Yeah. <laughs> those slick days too when you're just kind of on edge the entire time and you're constantly fighting to keep your grip and you, know, you stabilize your hips and knees and ankles and all that stuff feel like they're all, all about ready to go they get exhausted but man i can't I can't stress enough how much corks help me. Yeah. Because that's, that's all I use. I tried to use some, some ankle braces this year just to kind of help for the ankle support, but yeah. it, it, didn't, it didn't help at all. Just kind of cut the circulation off my feet. But uh, the extra tough corks, man, it's like Velcro for mountains. Yeah. That's, that's all I can say. I did, the, um, I got a pair of Danner boots and then bought the $40 
crampons that mm-hmm. go to the bottom of your boot, which is mm-hmm. great because then you can take them off if mm-hmm. you want. Yeah, that's always nice, um, especially if you got to hike some road or something like that before you get to where you're going. But yeah. I sometimes I'll I'll pack my corks with me and then take them off when I'm ready to or, uh, put them on when I'm ready to hike mm-hmm. something intense, especially yeah. like clear cut. Man, yeah. so I'm trying to hike clear cut without corks. Um, but I I live by those things, and it's no other way when you're hiking up the mountain. And most importantly, when you're coming down the mountain, right? Yeah. I mean, having confidence in your step. Yeah. It breaks over heat pretty quick when you're going down. <laughs> you got, oh, man, uh, those knees. Got a pack. How's this uh, sanding going to fare on that? I don't know. We'll, uh, we'll find see. out, huh? One thing about all of our calls was that all the wood that we use comes from Alaska Specialty Woods, and all the wood that Alaska Specialty Woods uses is all salvage source material. That's just, and it's all old growth salvage source material. I think that's one kind of like fine detail that a lot of people don't know. Yeah. Oh, and then even like stuff like our, you know, our teak calls, that's just salvage off the beach. We just found that stuff on the beach. Yeah, just floating yeah. on the beach. And two by out. threes and two by two pieces. There's a chunk of, I don't even know what it is. I think it might be mahogany. I think it's mahogany. Look how cool well, that stuff is. You would never guess from the outside. No, we just kind of yeah, have it. Just like, oh, we know just... what we're looking for now on the yeah. beaches. So Any old stuff that at Sandy Beach, they'd be burning. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. It, well, it was... If it wasn't so heavy and waterlogged, somebody probably would have burnt it already. But hmm. Yeah, these little timbers like that. And, and that was probably a piece of trim, deck trim off of uh, a boat. Something like that. Or... Gunnage on a barge for lumber. So you go out there specifically to salvage wood, or are you out oh. there fishing and then you happen to pick some stuff up that you see? We actually, for that particular piece, we were out camping at uh, Amigur Cabin. Okay. And we were just hanging out on the beach and seeing a one by four. And it had a bunch of different crazy stripes in it. Now you can't see it from this, but can't really see it from that but the way it was positioned I could just see these different growth lines in it and you can see the different colors and wood that we have around here doesn't doesn't really look like that mm-hmm. well that might be something cool carved yeah. into it with a knife and yeah pretty so we'll make some calls out of that there you go do something pretty cool something like this you know it's not big enough like it's not it's just not big enough to make a call yeah. I could make a call that way but I wouldn't necessarily want to. It doesn't look as cool. Pretty grainy like, the other way. Yeah. yeah, that's the pretty stuff. So what I'd probably do is take and shave that down so it looks really nice and then put something in between it. Like, here's a piece of ebony. And just slap that right between it. And that would be the call mm-hmm. instead. You know, something like that. Or a piece of our ancient Sitka. Have you seen that stuff? Yeah, you yeah, it should the last time we was here, yeah. So what, uh, what are some of the projects or what are some things that you're doing for uh, Specialty Woods right now? Um, actually, we've been working on a house for me over the last oh, nice. uh, few yeah. weeks. We've been actually so. building Brent's house. Alaska Specialty Woods is paying us to do that. Nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. It's, a, yeah. it's a pretty good gig. I mean, you know, we've, we've definitely put in our time, but... Um, it's not it's not expected by any means, but it's cool that we have this kind of operation that yeah. you know, family business. Family that's, business. That's, we're, all uh, we're all looking out for each other. We're all looking out for each other. So hopefully yeah. the next thing will be a house for Ryan, and then nice. hopefully my dad's house because his house burned down uh, three years ago. So that's why he's living in the apartment right here, and then my mom we finished that out for him um, two years ago. Yep, they've been in there two years now. Pretty comfy little place actually. <clears throat> yeah. Where's your place gonna be? Right. Right down below. Okay. Yeah. Right. I mean, if family it was light compound. Out, you seen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was different driving out here. I'd have been out here before in the uh, in the light, and then a little, a little different. Yeah, <laughs> the turns look the same. And, uh, yeah. The, I don't think you had the. Did you have the sign up there with the light last time? Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's that's been out there. You know, the light's not always on, but. But dad's got to turn that on. Yeah. Yeah, he was pretty excited about getting that light set up. Glad it was on because it made, <laughs> it made it a little less right sense. Yeah. Now, one thing that I can appreciate is this place. You know, just beautiful. Yeah. Dry space in Southeast Alaska is invaluable. Yeah. You can't, Tons of it. Can't trade it. Ample space. Yeah. And the tools. Yeah. Yeah. 
What are some other uh, hunts that you guys are, are looking at? Really want to go to QU and do a moose hunt. Yeah. Um, I'd love to go do a goat hunt too. We know lots of, we know not a lot, but we know a few people from Wrangell who've uh, invited us to go on moose hunts up the stream. Yeah. Um, moose meat is so good. Yes, it's, it is. I, I, oh, and you, you just get one of those things and you're set for so long. <laughs> Man, I, I love, absolutely love. But yeah, to get a lot of guys I've talked to, you know, grew up up north and that's all they hunt is moose. And then they come here and taste deer. It's so like, yeah. no, no, you got it made. Trust me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, exactly. oh, I've tried moose and it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's the nice thing about living here is that you have such a variety. Yeah. But traveling in Alaska is so difficult. You can't just drive around. You know, if you're in Anchorage or that area and you're on the road system, you know, you can go up to, you know, unit 14 and go for a moose and then go further and you can do the, um, Hall Road Caribou. Just a matter of how far you want to drive and can drive. Yep. For us, it's a lot more difficult. So. You put in for that goat one over in the catch can? No, but that's another one that we really want. I was putting in for the goat and the elk for Edelin um, for a little while, and then I kind of fizzled away from that just because not only did I not have time to, even if I was drawn to go do it, um, but just. I wasn't pegged. I never got drawn. Yeah. And it just kind of like, all right, well, I can't really do that anyway. So maybe when I can actually afford the time, I'll try to do that again. My second year back here, I drew the Edelin Elk. And it was one of those weird, the last bit of September, the last two weeks were just terrible weather-wise. Cold, rainy. And then the first week of October when we went, it was beautiful, warm. So we flew in pretty high. And then we didn't see anything. We were glassing it. And nothing. So we figured that, or everyone said, yeah, maybe though that really bad weather moved him out of the alpine and out of the timber early. And so, but you know, I. Oh, you were hunting alpine for him. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. We were trying to get right in the that transition. Yeah. Kind of area, get on yeah. top, and then looking down. Um, but yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing really. So hey. I put in for that one again, but I'm putting for the goat. And a buddy of mine was talking about moose hunt up north. That uh, it's, uh, bow hunting, so but it's in August. That's the only time I can really get have time to do it. Right. So it's with a bow, so it's gonna be a whole other. So yeah. I'm doing a lot more hunting with the bow. That'd be really interesting. Shooting a lot, but uh, um, yeah, it's hard to take a week off in September or October. You know, to go do something else up north, and it's expensive. So yeah, um, it's really hard for us to take time off and. June, July, August, September, you know, the months that you're food gathering. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll catch all our fish, hopefully before season starts, before hunting season starts, so that we don't have to worry about it at all. Yeah. Because when you start piling halibut on top of, you know, venison, you get your work cut out for you. And we've done that before, you know, you wait until September and you say, shoot, I got, we, need, we need some halibut this year. And so then you're crunch time trying to get trying to get some lines out before you know before the weekend or something so you can go hunting the weekend then you got fish to deal with before yeah. you go hunting <laughs> yeah. good problems to have though yeah, yeah they are good to problems have. to have it's true love to get down to idaho or montana those places for elk or mule deer and those would be a lot of fun but i've been going down to california got some friends in california and uh i've been on a couple um colombian blacktail hunts down there with him wasn't successful, but we were we weren't trying too hard. Um, but I definitely like to get down there, and, you know, give it a give it an honest effort. Yeah. <clears throat> Bring our calls down to see how they respond to that. Yeah. Because uh, we got a couple people that messed around with them on the blacktail, yeah, the Colombian blacktail in Washington, Oregon, and California. I mean, they're just as responsive. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a matter of how you use them. You know, a lot of people will say, "Yo, man, that, that just doesn't work." Well. It doesn't work if you're expecting it to bring a deer right to your lap. Yeah, exactly. You know, that, doesn't, yeah. that doesn't work. But, you know, we use them in the alpine. And if if it doesn't call them directly into us, it'll at least stop them when they're running away. Yeah, Maybe, that's you know, right there, too. In September, when, you, when they start losing their summer coat and you can't see them, it'll make them move so you can actually see them. A yeah, lot of man. people say, well, I can only call, it only calls in does. Well, during the rut, yeah, <laughs> watch step, behind yeah. the dough. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Yeah, the down south hunts the amount of people. It's it's totally different. It's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy because you're limited by the area that you have uh, a tag for. So you can't just you know drive to another mountain and hike up that. It's just so different. It's spoiled. It'd be hard to go somewhere else. And we got it pretty good around here. Yeah, we got it real good around here. Lots of space to spread out, <clears throat> and yet you still have people hiking in on your trail. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. It's crazy how much. Yeah, it's crazy how much room we have here, and still people decide to pull up next to you and hike right in the road behind you or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, I see that in catch can a lot. It's such limited road system. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, over in catch can, you guys have a lot, a lot less accessible area, I guess, yeah. when it comes to the road system and. Not everybody's got a boat. Yeah. It really seemed like Ravina produced a lot of big deer. This yeah. Year. yeah. Yeah, it did. Well, I guess or wherever. I <laughs> mean, just assumed. Yeah, there were a lot they were getting off. There, I had a buddy that got a really nice one on the catch can road system. Mm -hmm. um, but again, you know, luck, just getting a little bit further. And, you know, who knows what goes into those things. But uh, I, I would. Well, I think one thing is more people were hunting up there. Yeah. <laughs> so you're bound to see more deer. Mm-hmm. And you only hear the stories about the people who have the big bucks, so it makes it seem like everyone is getting a buck except right. for you. Yeah. Really, yeah. you know. Right. Yeah. Few people are posting about the time that they went out and didn't get anything or didn't see anything and only saw a doe or, you know. So it's misrepresented there, but. It always is. Yeah. I mean, it's just like our wolf situation. It's just always misrepresented. You can't, you can't always know everything about what's going on. Yeah. And the more people talk about it, the more it seems like a bigger problem and more in tune to seeing something or hearing something but yeah it's hard to tell yeah you know the first years um well a few years ago what three or four years ago um uh, when the wolf issue first came about i was i was one that was kind of in denial like ah come on guys it can't be like it's not the end of the world it can't be that big of a deal mm. well that was the first year that ryan and i started actually seeing wolves and then from then on it's like it's, well we see them all the time everywhere now. yeah they're mm -hmm. everywhere i mean or we hear them, or we see evidence that they were here yeah. real recently. <laughs> yeah. They were always a real, they were always um, like a phantom, phantom animal when we yeah, were growing up. You exactly. Never, you never yeah. saw them. Like if somebody did see them, we were like, whoa, that's crazy. You saw a wolf? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw a whole pack of them. What? Yeah. That's wild. But any one of these, it's just, just common. Yeah. And that's pretty interesting. Interesting, too, how fast they get the quota. Right. You know, it doesn't take them very long for a couple trappers to, you know, get that quota pretty much taken care of. And that should be just a tail tail sign. A matter of weeks, yeah. yeah. So you can look at either excellent trappers and they're getting information from all hunters. Say, I saw a pack here, I saw a wolf here. And so they're getting kind of an insight of where to go. But still, they got to get it done. Mm -hmm. And we do have some excellent trappers around. Yeah, yeah. Sure. yeah. So there's there's that plus the, the insight. But still, you still got to trap them. If they can still, it's just... It's pretty quick to get, what, it was 40 wolves or whatever it was? Yeah, I think it was like 40, yeah, 42, 46. In I don't know exactly. Four weeks? Exactly. Oh, last year, yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's crazy. But, you know, for smart, they talk about educating wolves, and if, you know, they learn about the traps, they, learn, they, they understand. And so if you have these smart wolves that have learned from things, it's... They're not, yeah, they're not. Uh, they're not dumb animals. That's a fact. Yeah. They know what's going on. Should we try some of those? Yeah, sure. Yeah, break them. Break some of those. Any um, any closing thoughts, guys? I'll let you get to uh, to finishing these out here. I know you guys have plenty of customers all around Alaska that are uh, waiting for these things. Oh, we have a pile of people waiting for sure. <laughs> feel, yeah, bad, but feel bad for them. Closing thoughts about uh, the the process, uh, making the your sales pitch for drop shot calls or for hunting in general. Or, you know, one thing I can say is that we just really appreciate all the support from everybody. I mean, we, we, didn't, we don't ex really expect anything, you know, we don't expect that our calls are the best or anybody should be buying them or anything like that, but people love them and we can really appreciate all the feedback and all the support that everybody's shown us. Um, we'll just keep trying to do well, Yeah. keep trying to make them better and better and nicer and better. Thank you. Pepperoni stick. Oh, the um, oh, yeah. so that casing is like a collagen clip casing. 
Mm. So you can take it off. It's edible, but it's a little bit more enjoyable if you just kind of peel it like that. Uh -huh. I think these are our best batch so far. We're making some more of them. This is from, uh, from this year, obviously. August. What the, August? August, September. No, you can come in there if you want, but no. Anything else? Yeah, no, not really. Just had a good time. Thanks for, thanks for coming out, man. Yeah, thanks for coming out. Thanks. Maybe we'll try and do it again. Yeah, absolutely.